COP21, the road to Paris. Hello and a special welcome to listeners in Belfast, Plymouth and Redcar, as well as those of you in the US and Mexico. Glad you find this interesting. We're on the road to Paris, about six weeks from the start of COP21, the International Climate Change Conference. Climate Action Tracker is monitoring progress. So is Jeremy Leggett. The latest instalment of his The Winning of the Carbon War is out. George Osborne has been sharing plans for the UK's infrastructure at the Conservative Party conference. And Amber Rudd is clearly going to play her part. And there's a TED talk you really must see. Hello, I'm Anthony Day. Climate Action Tracker, CAT, is an independent scientific analysis produced by four research organisations who, since 2009, have been tracking climate action and global efforts towards the globally agreed aim of holding warming below 2 degrees centigrade. The CAT consortium is made up of Climate Analytics, ECOFIS, New Climate Institute and the Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research. They have been analysing government climate action plans prepared for the Paris Conference in December. They conclude that the combination of action plans, if fully implemented, would bring global warming down to 2.7 degrees centigrade, which is an improvement of 0.4 degrees centigrade since the last assessment of pledges at the Lima talks in December. This is the first time since 2009 when the CAT began calculating temperature estimates from climate action pledges that projected warming has dipped below 3 degrees. However, it's still not enough in many people's opinions to avoid dangerous climate change. Meanwhile, at the Conservative Party conference, Chancellor George Osborne announced an independent National Infrastructure Commission a commission set up in law, free from party arguments, which works out calmly and dispassionately what the country needs to build for its future and holds any government's feet to the fire if it fails to deliver. It's going to be responsible for major transport initiatives and it's going to make sure Britain has the energy supplies it needs. I've asked, says Osborne, the new National Infrastructure Commission to start its work today. He's appointed Lord Adonis to chair the Commission. Transport is important, of course, but energy is crucial. I thought George Osborne already had plans in place for energy. Personally, I don't think they are the right plans, as they focus mainly on fracking and nuclear, but I hope that Lord Adonis is not going to have to start all over again. On second thoughts, maybe he should. There is a serious energy shortage getting very, very close possibly as close as this coming winter. Fracking won't solve the problem, and nuclear certainly won't solve the problem. Neither will be available for years and years to come. I've been to the National Infrastructure Commission's website. There's not a lot there apart from a nice picture of Lord Adonis, the former Labour minister who's been appointed as chair. It says, The National Infrastructure Commission is an independent body 
that enables long-term strategic decision-making to build effective and efficient infrastructure for the UK. The Commission was set up on the 5th of October 2015 and will look at the UK's future needs for nationally significant infrastructure, help to maintain the UK's competitiveness amongst the G20 nations and provide greater certainty for investors by taking a long-term approach to the major investment decisions facing the country. That's it. Pretty wide brief. There was a button marked Jobs, so I clicked on that because I've got lots of good ideas, but it just led to a general site for civil servant vacancies. Although there has been some sniping about a Labour politician working for a Tory government, Lord Adonis has a reputation for being a capable and well-informed Minister of Transport when he held that role. Let's hope he's up to an incredibly demanding job. Also at the Tory conference was Amber Rudd, Secretary of State for Energy, bravely following the party line. An affordable, secure supply of energy that our hard-working families and businesses can rely on now and in the future is the backbone of a thriving economy. Our challenge is to establish a sensible, long-term national energy policy that balances the need for cheap energy, the imperative to cut carbon, and the necessity of secure energy supplies. Balancing these competing needs is not straightforward. Very true. We said in our manifesto that we would halt the spread of subsidised onshore wind farms. And six weeks into this Parliament, that's what we did. Promise made, promise delivered. Surely a rash promise, given that onshore wind power, even without subsidy, is now the cheapest form of energy in Britain, cheaper even than oil or gas. A report from Bloomberg New Energy Finance indicates that the cost of onshore wind has fallen from £70 per megawatt hour last year to £55 per megawatt hour today. It never made less sense, says Bloomberg, to build fossil fuel power plants. The minister went on, we support the safe development of shale gas in the UK because gas is going to be part of the transition to a low carbon economy. It's also good for jobs. It's part of our plan to build the Northern Powerhouse and ensure the potential of all parts of the UK is realised and it's good for our energy security. The only long-term way to resolve the real tension between affordability, security and low carbon is to discover low-cost, low-carbon technologies. We need energy breakthroughs and government has a part to play in supporting them. It's a pity about Drax and carbon capture and storage then. As we reported last week, Drax has withdrawn from the government's flagship carbon capture and storage project because with the alteration to the renewables obligation legislation, they haven't got the money to invest. The minister closed with a quotation from Margaret Thatcher. The danger of global warming is real enough for us to make changes and sacrifices so that we do not live at the expense of future generations. I'm going to repeat that. The danger of global warming is real enough for us to make changes and sacrifices so that we do not live at the expense of future generations. Mrs Thatcher mentioned sacrifices, but the undertone of speeches from both Osborne and Rudd is business as usual and even more of the same. 
Surely it is reckless and irresponsible to fail to prepare people for the inevitable rises in energy costs, to subsidise low prices now by not investing for the future, and equally irresponsible not to help everybody to make efficient use of their energy so they can save money that way. There is no magic money tree, she said in her speech. But there's no get-out-of-jail-free card, no switch-off-climate-change-now card either. If we start taking action now, the sacrifices needed will be small. The longer we leave it, the bigger the sacrifices, the bigger the disruption and unrest as we try and cope with the consequences of dangerous climate change. Jeremy Leggett has just published the latest chapter of his book, The Winning of the Carbon War. You can download it free of charge from jeremyleggett.net, that's with lots of G's and lots of T's, and I recommend that you do. But let me just read you the last paragraph where he's talking about the warning by the Governor of the Bank of England that financial markets must take account of climate change. Carney's intervention shines a whole new light on the UK Treasury's version of energy policy. Their obsession with exploiting UK shale and suppressing clean energy to make that exploitation easier is now, by corollary, a threat to the stability of capital markets. This is what their own financial regulator, by implication, is now telling them. In a recent TED talk entitled Climate Change is Happening, Here's How We Adapt, Alice Bowes Larkin showed how, despite years of conferences and negotiations, the world continues on track towards four degrees of global warming, regardless of the fact that two degrees is generally accepted as the maximum safe increase. Now, I know that Climate Action Tracker said that published plans for carbon reduction would hold warming to 2.7 degrees, but this is on the assumption that the plans will actually be fully implemented. The study was also based only on the 147 countries out of 195, which had presented their plans by the 1st of October deadline. Alice Bowes-Larkin drew a graph of carbon emissions over time, a steadily rising line from the Rio Conference to the Kyoto Conference to Copenhagen and onwards towards Paris and four degrees. Despite all the talking, the line has continued to rise. She made the point that the area below the graph represents the total emissions released into the atmosphere, emissions which will persist in the atmosphere for the next 50 or 100 years or more. We can't wait until 2049 for an amazing technical breakthrough which will cut our emissions to zero in 2050. By then, if the line has continued to rise, the total volume of emissions will be so large that dangerous climate change will be unavoidable. We need to make cuts now. We, in the wealthy West, need to cut by 10% per annum. But economist Lord Stern has pointed out that in recent years emissions have only ever dipped by 1%, and that was in times of recession. Take 14 minutes to watch Alice Bowes-Larkin's TED Talk, Climate Change is Happening, Here's How We Adapt. There's a positive message there. And so we progress towards COP21 in Paris, less than two months away. We can hope that governments will take action. 
but action of the magnitude needed is politically impossible, given that citizens both in the UK and abroad have been largely kept in ignorance of the severity of the situation or encouraged to believe the denialists. We can watch, we can wait, we can hope, we can take to the streets, and many people will, in Edinburgh on the 28th of November, in London on the 29th, and Paris on the 12th of December. Maybe Lord Adonis will sort it all out. Yes, that's another episode of the Sustainable Futures Show. This is Anthony Day, and I'll be back next week with things that are interesting, exciting, or just important in the world of sustainability, which, of course, is our world. If you want an assessment of how your particular business or organisation will be affected or help in drawing up a strategic plan, get in touch. Mail at anthony day.com Before I go, I must tell you, voice recognition software, don't you love it? I often use it to prepare these scripts. When I was dictating the piece about Lord Adonis, it got it right first time, but then it kept coming up with Lord, I don't know this. No comment. By the way, if he is going to hold the government's feet to the fire, as George Osborne suggests, I do hope it won't be a coal fire. This is Anthony Day. More next week. Music